Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. I have this idea for like a total change up of the show, like where um, we don't even talk about like game mastering stuff anymore. Like we just like we talk about like uh, cooking and uh, like some other nerdy stuff. I think it'd be like an awesome surprise for the player, like for our listeners, just like completely surprise them by like changing everything about the show. What do you think? Yeah, no, uh, perfect. Let's this is now going to be Panda's talking container store. Uh, you're supposed to disagree with me and tell me this is a terrible <laughs> idea that I'm trying to be too clever. You have foiled this bit. Cue music. I, I was being too clever with I this said bit. cue music. <laughs> And welcome to another fine episode of Panda's Talking Games. I am your host, proving that we do not rehearse the opening bits and we make them up on the fly, <laughs> Phil. And I am your other host who... Uh, uh, Did not catch surprised. on. <laughs> I caught on. I just surprised you. I was just You got a little too clever. I got <gasps> a little too clever. What? Anyway... On today's episode, wait, did I say my name? I don't think you did. Say your name. Hi, I'm Senda. And anyway, on today's episode, uh, we are going to answer a uh, an email f- that we got from Nissa, who said, listening to your latest episode, this was a couple episodes ago, but listening to your latest episode about getting a player to scheme with the GM reminded me of the time I asked a player to play the doppelganger. It did not go great. And... Side note, insert, that's exactly why we did that episode, right? Because I think we've all done that at some point. And I think that the positive outcomes are definitely rarer than the negative ones, right? Anyway, back to the back to the question. Um, I started to think I was being too clever. That makes me wonder, do we need another don't be clever episode? Um, like warning signs that you're being too clever. And can players be too clever? Yeah cool right mm-hmm. so we're gonna talk about being too clever we use that phrase i think a lot when we're talking about gming is quote being too clever right um so before we actually jump into this because i i'm not sure that it is a phrase that we have ever truly defined on this show before and of course to talk about it we have to define it so first phil can you define what you mean when we, or what we mean i should say when we say too clever. Yeah, we're gonna have to build our way into this. So mm-hmm. bear with me. This is gonna require a little bit of assembly as we go. So let's start with the t- um, textbook definition of clever: uh, showing intelligence or skill, ingenious. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna pull out ingenious as the word that I want to start building on. Right. So being too clever is attempting to do something that's ingenious in your game. Which roughly translates to doing something that your players are not expecting, which is to say, surprising your players. Yeah. Now, here's the problem. The trick with surprising your players is that you are outnumbered. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Probably most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. In, in most cases, at, at, at best, you are even one-on-one. Yes. But that's very right. rare. It's pretty rare. Um, And in most (laughs) cases, you are outnumbered, right? There are more of them than there are you. 
and they are all working together to understand what's going on in the game. So they're going to group think anything you throw at them. And so it's sometimes hard to surprise your players because somebody in the group will see it coming. Yeah. Um, like, you know, most, I, I think in the entire history of my gaming over the past 40 years, um, I have played with very um, intelligent people, right? Like, like all of my friends are like smart folks. And um, when there are four or five of them against you, it's hard to surprise them. Right. Yes. Okay. We have as GMs an advantage. I say advantage, but I'm going to put it in quotes, right? <laughs> like this is a dangerous yeah. advantage. Yes. Um, we control the world. And we also control the player's perceptions because we control the character's sensory input, yes. right? While characters have sensory input, we're the ones feeding them the input. Does this look suspicious? Is this like, you know, can I see a false bottom to this trunk? Like, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, we control the input of, of that sensory um you know, those senses. We also control the rules. We decide when calls are going to be made for skill checks and when they aren't or what the difficulty is, et cetera. Right. In most cases, right. There are going to be some games that, um, you know, here and there that do that differently, but by and large, the GM is one person who's got a lot of control of the game. Um, as opposed to the group of players who have a lot of brain power on the other side. Yeah. Okay. So if you can't outthink them, you're going to wind up trying to outgame them. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where things often start to go awry, right? Because this is now one person just basically using the power of the game and the rules to undermine the group's ability to think their way out of problems or through situations. So spoken or not, players do have some kind of expectation about how the game is played and run, right? Like when we sit down at the table, we have some kind of expectation. Yeah, and, and that is like, that could just be like, you know, an expectation of, um, I get to make like I get to make rolls when I you know when I want to search for something. Um, it could be expectations like, um, you know, this is a game that doesn't have a lot of twists and turns. Like it's a very, you know, straightforward plot kind of game. It's not a game with a lot of like you know, um, sudden reveals, reverses, surprises, kind of like all of those expectations we're talking about. Right. Or, or even just like, this is the rule set that we are playing with. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Like we're sitting down, we're going to play dandy, right? Like there, there are expectations and assumptions that go with that rule set. But one of the basic ones is that we're all playing with the same rule set. I, I want to give right? an example really quick of a time that I was too clever. And I, I've told this story before, so yeah. I'm going to tell an abbreviated version of it, but I'm going to tell, sure. I'm going to, I'm going to go back to this thing about where GMs have control of the world and sensory input and stuff. So yeah. I think we all remember there was a time where I cloned all of my players so that they yes. could go on a suicide mission, <laughs> but they could play with yes. the best toys in the game. And then I killed them. Yes. So I didn't have to have the toys um, yes. linger in my Come game. Back. Yes. So here's the thing I did that is completely the GM thing, right? Like this is where I had the advantage. I told them they went to sleep 
right? Like I was like, all right, if, is there anything else you guys need to do before you go to sleep before, you know, the day before the mission? And they were like, no. And I was like, cool. You wake up the next morning and I started narrating, right? I purposely did not include in any part of the game the part that once they went to sleep, they were drugged they to clones. stay asleep yeah. and their clones were woken up the next morning, right? Like, right. there was... you didn't. You not only didn't include it in your narration, you didn't include the opportunity for them to have discovered No, because I was right? in control of the story, you were in right? Complete control and of what opportunities they got to engage or to discover what was right. happening. Right. Also, I didn't make I didn't say anything to pepper their um their sensory input to imagine that something was awry, like anything yep. like that, right? So we we absolutely 100% possess this ability. And, you know, it is, we're going to talk about this as we get into it. We'll talk about why this is a problem, but it is an easy, it's easy to do this when you're trying to be clever because I can manipulate what you see and hear um, to make sure that things kind of work until I, you know, until I want to reveal them kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So, sorry. Going back to that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Going back to expectations. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think that, and I think the key thing about being too clever, and I know that we've maybe talked about this before, um, but the key thing about being too clever is that you will end up violating the expectations that the group had of the game. Mm -hmm. Right. So, when you violate an expectation, uh, one of two things will happen. One, they're cool with it and their expectations expand and they think, oh, neat, you pulled something off, right? And that's going into this. This is what we are all thinking. Oh, cool. I'm going to pull something off. Okay. But number two, and I think probably the more frequent reaction in my personal experience is they are not cool with it and they feel like the game went somewhere it shouldn't have gone or um, their expectations are broken and therefore they actually feel a betrayal of trust because they thought they were all playing the same game with you together and it turned out you were on a different page, right? Yeah, and the thing is, um, the thing is about this, right, is that um, when people are cool with it, mm -hmm. everything just moves on. Yeah. Right, like, like if, you know, surprise, this thing happens and if the table's like, oh, wow, Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Like, I guess that's part of the game, right? Like, it never happened before, but that's cool. It's part of the game. And, that's cool. you know, it's part of the game. so, yeah. Fine. Right. Like, and then your expectations expand because the next time, if you do a thing like that, you're like, oh, yeah, like precedent was already set. Like, the dragon totally betrayed us like that one time. And so, yeah, of course, this demon betrayed us. Like, because that yeah. happens now in this game. That happens. Yeah. Yeah, but you are, when you do this kind of thing, you are also setting expectations for future stuff. So, like, that's why, and I think we've said this before, too, right? Like, breaking case of doppelganger, like, doppelganger is a one-time-per-game thing, because once you do that, they're going to treat every person in the entire game for the rest of the game like they're a doppelganger, because you have now set their yep. expectation that any person could be a doppelganger at any time, right? Like, so... As a sidebar, <laughs> your best bet for the doppelganger storyline that you're inevitably going to run it no matter how much we one. tell you is that <laughs> whatever you do at the end of that storyline 
make it such that doppelgangers can never happen again, right? Like it was a prototype and you killed it. It was a spell and you've all destroyed the spell book and therefore it's lost to eternity. Like whatever you do, close the door on doppelgangers or yes, like you said, <laughs> it'll be like, it'll be season six of deep space nine where they're blood <laughs> testing every person in, yes. in the, you know, in the show, right? Like if that's yes. what you want, right? Like, cause that's, that's the doppelganger storyline. When it expands into, it could be anyone. Yes. Then they will act like it can be anyone and your game will slog it down into blood testing every person on the station. Exactly. You know? So again, if you can close <laughs> that door hard the door. and then in a meta version, tell your players that was fun. We're never doing We're it never again. doing that again. <laughs> so they like, can relax. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, the long story short, right? Like the, of course you're going to tell stories that you want to be interesting and not necessarily predictable to your players, but there is a difference between the kind of story that they expect and when you completely break their expectations, right? Like that you can subvert their expectations, but like breaking their expectations yeah. is a little more like, abrupt. Yeah. Subverting is fine. I do like, I love subverting expectations in yeah. games, right? Like I threw, yeah. Chris, I threw Chris off in Ox, um, a couple, months ago with a subversion um, where they thought they were going to have this big um, climactic showdown with their enemy only to find that when they got through this portal their enemy ship was out of power and floating dead in space and there was another problem they had to face which is yeah what knocked that ship out and their ship out of power and then there's two. And yeah. he was like oh I was expecting to have this showdown and I was like man I don't know like there was no like there was nothing that said that was going to happen like that was an expectation that was subverted now that's different than breaking them yes um breaking them is is specifically and intentionally setting a different expectation and then smashing it yeah subverting it is to kind of like skew it to the side like are yeah. is there going to be a showdown between the villain and chris in this episode yes is it the way he thinks it's going to go no Probably yeah. not. Yeah, that's subversion. We can do a whole thing on subverting, subverting genres, tropes, and things like that as a future episode. Hold us to that. Somebody send us a request on that. All right, <laughs> I'm going to take it back for a second and explain. Yes. So you did a great job of explaining the expectation issue, right? So sometimes people mm-hmm. are going to be cool with it, and sometimes they're not, right? Here's the problem. Yep. <laughs> There's no way to know. The reaction players will have until you do it. Yeah. Um, and to complicate matters, not all players will react the same. So you may do this cool thing that you're thinking about. You're a very clever thing. And three players in your group might be like, huh, I was not expecting oh, that. Cool. Okay. I, it wasn't my favorite, but fine. Like we move on. And two of your players may have serious problems. Which now adds to a whole layer of complexity to your game, right? Because now not everybody's on the same page. Expectations have been broken for some, but not the other, which means that you have expectation um, alignment issues in terms of not everybody's on the same page where this game is. There is a lot that can go wrong here. And you're not going to know till you do it. Yeah. (laughs) So. Fun times. Going back to finishing out building this... um, 
this definition, all of this is a long way to say that being too clever is often when a GM tries to surprise the players by violating expectations. I forgot we were still in the middle of the definition. I told you we had to build up. I told you we had to build this definition, right? I I went on so many tangents in the middle of that definition. I think it was important information. But yeah, wow, we were still defining that. That's okay. But we got there. So there we go. That's being too clever. (laughs) Senda, why would we be too clever? Yeah, there are. There are a few reasons, right? And and I think at some time or other, we all fall into at least one of these. It's just inevitable. Um, and so you don't always see it coming. Um, the first one is originality or novelty. Um, because if you've been running things for a while, or even if you're new, but you've been playing for a while, there is an excitement in trying to do something fresh and new that maybe nobody has done before, right? And you're like, oh, I want to do something that you know, this group has not seen before. I want to, I want to surprise them, right? Um, You've now named several of those, I think, like. uh, (laughs) Oh no, I jumped ahead. You're making this list messy. (laughs) Sorry, I'll get there. Um, Anyway, you might be uh, chasing the curve, right? Which is the Last game, I did this cool thing. So this game or this arc of this campaign, it has to escalate. It has to be even more. It has to be even better. I need to make this bigger. The stakes need to be higher, etc. Right? Um, ego. Like, that's just a thing, right? Like, there, there is a point where you might be like, I am the best GM ever. And I can pull this amazing thing off. Um and this is one of those times we like to be like, we're all players, though. Like, anyway. No, we'll come e- back ego's, to that defi- part. ego's definitely a thing, right? Like, it totally is. Um, and sometimes it's hard to see, you know, when you yourself are doing it. But, and the last one is shock or surprise um, because you might be doing it intentionally to surprise your players because everybody likes surprises, right? Right. Right. I mean, some people like surprises. <laughs> I feel like we have to take a moment and pause to like say, you know, like a surprise like here's a really cool thing for your birthday is a very different experience than a surprise like um also I repainted and rearranged your house while you were out. Like <laughs> Hey, there's this thing I got to tell you after we're done recording. It's like really important. Okay. Is it about not rearranging and repainting your house? No, I'm just proving my point, right? Isn't don't you feel terrible what? that it, don't you feel terrible <laughs> that I just told you that thing and like didn't close the loop, right? People don't like loop. surprises, right? Like it's, <laughs> you ever have a boss do that to you? Like, hey, you got a really important call. Oh. Can I call you at three? And then like doesn't say anything else about it. Like, it's just well, I will personal story. It's especially bad, right? Like because the last time that really happened to me in a big way at work, it was like the big central HR department just put meetings on everyone's calendars with the HR lead and like, and no one else and didn't tell us what it was about. And then when the day came, everybody who had had their meetings was not allowed to say anything to the people who hadn't had their meetings. Guess what? We were all being laid off one by one. I did warn you about that one, didn't I? I did warn you that when HR wants to talk to you after that merger, Boy, you need to be like... You, I, yeah, anyway. that was a rough day, though. Anyway, that was a rough day. My whole point to that little joke was... Yes. My whole point to that little joke is not everybody... Not everybody likes surprises. Not everybody likes surprises. You know who doesn't like surprises? Anxious people. Yes, hello. I am an anxious person. I am an person. anxious person as well, right? Do not. <laughs> I do not like surprises. Um, 
No, it's fine. If you can define for me that it is a thing I don't have to be anxious about and then it is yeah. an exciting and happy thing, Correct. then I am totally on board. But um, yeah, but when you violate an expectation in a game, it does not always read that way and it can ping right off of my little anxious self yeah. in ways I do not enjoy. Absolutely. Anyway, let's talk about warning signs, Phil. Yep, absolutely. Let's talk about warning signs. Okay, so for the reasons that you mentioned above, are not all like those things are those things aren't always going to be that you're doing something too clever right like we're talking about like we're talking about how like how you when you should be worried about this right this is what nizza was asking was like when do we need to start worrying about are we being too clever yeah, when do, when do you just need to maybe stop and think about it? Yep. Not that these things in and of themselves necessarily mean you are being too clever, stop. But like maybe it's the moment to have um, some introspection and just double check with yourself and say, am I being too clever? Am I sure that they'll like this? Yeah. Right. So we're going to do two. <laughs> we're going to do this in two parts. First, we're going to do warning signs, right? Sign. Yep. We're just we have like four simple warning signs that maybe what you've come up with is too clever. And then after that, we're going to do a stop and check, which are some questions you can ask yourself um, to help figure out if maybe you're being too clever. Right. So the idea is like, if, if you answer, if you answer yes to any of these warning signs, then you should stop and check. And um, if you stop and check and you answer, you know, affirmative to any of those, maybe you shouldn't do this. Okay. Right. Or maybe maybe run it by someone else. So let's, like, so let's yeah. ping pong both of these, yeah. right? So let's okay. ping pong warning signs first. I'll do the first one. Um, the first one is like when you feel like either you need to do or you've told yourself you're doing something, quote, never done before. This yes. is almost always a warning sign because never done before means you are purposely push, pushing yourself outside of expectations. Yes. Okay. Right. Um, anything that has player secrets, right? Um, with the caveat, player secrets that were not set up as an expectation in session zero or something like that. There are, of course, some games you can get into that like it's an inevitability. It's part of how the expectation of the gameplay is going to work. We're talking about I'm sitting down to a table of D&D and... Um, I'm going to tell half the people at the table one thing and I'm not going to tell the other half the people as actual players. And we're going to keep it like that for months or whatever it is, right? That's an extreme example that it would be that long. But, um, you know, any time that there is not an expectation of it and there are going to be player secrets. Mm -hmm. The next one is when you purposely want to shock or trick your group, right? If you're like, oh, I need to trick these guys, like, or I've got this great trick I'm going to do. Mm. <laughs> yep. The the really obvious example of this one being the like, oh, I'm going to sit down and pretend that we're all about to play this game. And then like an hour in, we're going to discover that we're actually playing a to- whole totally different oh, game, right? Yeah. That one, that one, that <laughs> that's the bad. classic example, bad. right? Um, cool. Anything with shapeshifters, possession, or betrayal, right? Because those are agency and trust issues. Yep, 100%. Yeah. Yep. Guaranteed, guaranteed, like, those right there alone. Like, if you're like, hmm, I think I'm gonna put a doppelganger in my next game. Bing, 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 right? (laughs) Just check. Just think about it first. Time to check. Okay. (laughs) 
And, and again, there's more lists, like there's more things that you could be worried about. These were just ones that were like coming off the top of our heads. All right. Yeah. Here's our stop and check, right? So time to be a little introspective time to once you have identified that you are doing one of the things above in the warning signs. Here are some stop and check things. Have a moment with yourself. Ask yourself honestly and be honest about the answer, right? Be honest about these answers. Number one, are you doing this out of ego? Are you doing this to get praise? Like, have you come up with this thing because you want the players to be like, holy shit, Phil, you're fucking amazing. What a fucking GM. And I'm going to tell you that I absolutely have done this in the past, right? There was a time where I was very much into myself and very much into feeding my ego as a GM. And I absolutely did shit like this, um, either to my home group or I would do it at conventions because I wanted to be, um, I wanted people to be like, holy shit, Phil, super cool. Like that GM, he's a hell of a GM. Um, so ego is 100%. And it's sometimes like, I'm not going to say it's easy to check yourself about your ego, but ask yourself, are you doing this? Cause you want to get praise. Mm-hmm. That's that's, that is a definite is a definite sign. You might be in the wrong direction. Yep. Okay. Um, if this is, and this, this is a good one for me, I think, um, if someone did this to you as a player, how would you personally feel? And I think contextually, um, you know, if someone who was maybe a stranger to you at a convention, or maybe it was even a GM that you don't particularly like, if someone in one of those situations did that to you as a player, how would you feel about it? How would you react to it? Mm-hmm. Um, and and with without the knowledge that you as the GM who is planning this has, right? That's the other key part. Um, how would you react? Yep. Mm-hmm. Next one. Was anything like this ever discussed in your session zero? If it's your campaign or in your event description, if this was a con game, right? Yeah. Did you ever set this expectation like um for instance we're playing D. how do people feel about mimics doppelgangers things like that right if we've had that discussion right and we've cool. and we've established that mimics doppelgangers shapeshifters whatever can be part of this game that's that's a good sign we're a good sign to mm-hmm. proceed right like because we've had that expectation but if you're like boy hmm i never exp- i never asked my players this now here's the thing In a session zero, it is literally impossible to go over every possible thing, which is why sometimes groups will have like little refreshers or sometimes the GM will just ask players out of the blue. And here's the problem. You don't want to, as a GM, you don't want to like between sessions be like, hey, guys, how's everybody feel about doppelgangers as you're trying to write your doppelganger episode? Right. (laughs) Like, because, you know, because then you've ruined, you've quote ruined it. Right. Yeah, Yeah. So. The thing is, if you have this great idea, like you were like, I want to do a doppelganger thing. Don't do it as your next session. Ask your players mm-hmm. like, hey, after a game, like, hey, I have this idea like for a future game where like maybe I want to do like doppelgangers or clones or something like what are our feelings about that? Have that discussion. Then for like a handful of adventures, don't touch it. Mm-hmm. Players will forget you had this discussion at some point. Like they'll forget, they'll forget enough to not worry that it's happening every session. 
And then you can bring it up and do it because you've kind of, you've set that expectation. So in your, if you haven't covered this in your session zero and you have no set expectation for it, that is a warning. Like there, you could have a problem. Yeah. Okay. And if you're doing any kind of bait and switch in an event description, that is shitty. Like, I will just tell you this right now. Like, do not do the bait and switch in an event description. Do not be like, hey, um, in the land of water mages, um, you know, all water is power, blah, 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 blah. And then when everybody starts playing, you fall through a portal into um, desert world. Yeah. People paid money to play the game that you described. That's not cool. Yeah. You are unlikely to get positive reactions from that. Yeah, I will just say, like, flat out, bait and switch in an event description is shitty. Yeah. There are ways Don't to there it. are ways to cleverly write your event description so that you can you can set that expectation without saying it outright. Yes. And sometimes and you could just say it outright. Like Yeah. You could be like the water mages are super cool and powerful and you're all these amazing powerful people but how will you survive the land of the desert trapped in the desert world with a limited supply (laughs) of water how will you get to safety or defeat the monster like bam right Right. there yeah done exactly you you don't need to you don't need to you don't need to play that you don't have to be too clever to pull that (laughs) off right just saying yeah all right give us the last uh stop and check yeah and this one i think is also really important i mean they're all really important i don't know whatever this one to me is super key. Um, does pulling this off require active deception of the players? And that could be like like in your story, right? You didn't give them any means to discover that anything not had happened. A fucking, not a fucking chance. It, it could also mean literally having a... Whether it's mechanically, you know, supported or not, lying to their characters' senses, right? Um, and being like, "No, everything is fine," and then it really isn't, right? Like um, anything that requires you to actively deceive or avoid giving the players agency over their characters to pull something off is a giant red flag, <laughs> right? It is pretty much. Pretty much, if you're involving yourself in active deception of your players, you are being too clever. Stop. Figure out how to fix this. Like, fix this plot. Figure out how to fix the plot so that that is not required for this to be still a cool plot, right? Do you not trust your players enough to bring them in on it to make this cooler together? Yeah. Like, is there... Like why and and then why? Like in why, almost why? in almost every case, <laughs> I'm going to say this. In almost every case, um, you can take your too clever plot and change it into a good plot without upsetting yeah. your players. And literally, all you have to do is remove surprising your players. Yeah, or like, and and you can do that in a number of ways, exactly, including literally just communicating with your players about yep. it. Mm-hmm. Right. And and like you can totally get them on board for this kind of thing if you don't do it in a way that is going to feel like a betrayal of trust on a social level. Because I think a lot of times the reason that this too clever kind of thing doesn't work out is because just on a pure social emotional level, if you are running a game for me and I feel like you lied to me or betrayed my personal trust in you, Phil, as me, Senda, not as GM and player right? Because you didn't give me the opportunity to have agency or to figure something out or lied 
basically to me through my character senses, then what you're getting from me, the negative reaction you're getting from me is actually my personal, like, Senda actual betrayal, not my character's betrayal, right? Like, character feelings are a different thing. But you're going to have a problem at the table if you break trust with people on a personal social level because that's a relationship and you randomly damaged it for the purpose of, like, a story that you probably didn't need to damage it for, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, slash rant, no. back to the notes. No, that's excellent. That's excellent. <laughs> that's an excellent point. So Yes. So, yes. so if you answer yes to any of those, stop and figure out what you need to do to fix that plot. If you answered yes to multiples of these, maybe you want to come up with something different for your session. Like maybe right. you want to just shelve this idea and come back to it later um, with a little like, you know, with a little distance from it kind of thing. Yeah. Um, or talk to like bring in someone else for an external perspective or talk to your players about it. Just talk to them about it. Um, trust me when I say um, in my experience, we we tend to value surprise from the the GM screen side more than I think it is actually necessary to value it from the player side, Mm -hmm. right? Like as a player, you don't really need to surprise me. I would rather collaboratively build a cool story. And is it cool when I open the door and there's a dragon there and I didn't expect it? Yeah, but that's like not a subversion or not a a breaking of my expectations of a dungeon game, right? Yeah, this is why I mentioned about ego, right? Because the need to pull off that surprise right is often tied to the need to being like look how clever i am right look how cool i am i am i'm i surprised you right i got you right yeah that's the ego part right that's the um and look i'm not going to say there isn't ego in gming right there absolutely is 100 percent ego in gming and there is good ego in gming and there is bad ego in gming and this is one of the cases where we start to get into the bad kind of ego in gming um but i think that at some level all gms have some ego um that they like stroked for gming i know i do i mean yeah, tell me I did a good job. Yeah, <laughs> right? like, did you? Ha- for absolutely. me, did you have a did good you time? Have fun? Did you have a right. good time? Yeah. That is yeah. a question. Like, like that to me, um, because I am very much a service GM, right? Like, mm-hmm. I like to provide a service. Um, I can think of a number of places where did I like? Did you have a good time? I don't need you to tell me I did a good job. Did you have a good time? Did you yeah, enjoy that's, that's this true. meal? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to say yeah. the third one. Did you like this scene? <laughs> right? Like, did you like? You know what? We're all big kids around here, folks. Did you like the? Did you enjoy the scene? Right? Like that is also it's the same thing. <laughs> Usually, we save this for the bonus content. We're all big kids here today. <laughs> anyway, just saying. So is is ego a part of GMing? 100%. Are there good versions of it and bad versions of it? Yes. And if you're interested in us talking more about that, hit us up at the end of the show when we tell you how to send in ideas and stuff, and you can ask us and we'll talk about it. Yeah, which part? Yeah. <laughs> just leave that. Just leave that up to people. 
One of those discussions <laughs> may be a patron-only discussion. I'm just saying. <laughs> Probably. Just saying. Probably. Probably. Although I will tell you that uh-huh. did you enjoy this game and did you enjoy the scene have a lot of parallels. <laughs> okay, we we can't we can't push me along <laughs> to the next section, please. <laughs> Okay, so to wrap up Nissa's actual question, (laughs) can players be too clever? To which the answer is absolutely yes. It's just harder to do than the GM, and especially harder to do if they're not in cahoots with the GM, right? Mm -hmm. So... Sorry, you go. No, it's fine, right? You just keep <laughs> laughing. I'll, I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to round this thing out, right? Look, it's easy to. A player can violate the expectations of the game as well, right? It's just harder because you only have one character to violate expectations, right? Everybody else has, like, all the other character, all the other players have characters, and the GM as well, right? Because the GM can literally just pause the game and back it up when you when you try to be too clever, right? Like, be like, whoa, 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 hold up. Like, what are you doing? No, 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 yeah. no. Like, or the GM also, can just block it and be like, no, no, no. You can't actually do that. You can't do that. Right. And also, the only parts of the game that you have control over in terms of the world are the parts that pertain directly to your character. So while you could potentially deceive your fellow players in terms of things about you, the character you don't have the power to deceive them about the actualities of the world the same way that the GM does, right? Yeah, you can totally, you can you can lie about your intent. Mm-hmm. You can lie about what action you're going to take next and betray everybody. Like, you can be, you know, given, like, you know, entrusted with this, you know, entrusted with this artifact and then totally break it because you're like, fuck it, that thing's too dangerous, snap, right? And the whole table will fucking erupt um, when you do it. Like, all of like you can totally do all of those things as a player. Um, you're just doing it on a smaller scale. It's a little harder to do because you're you know running against the rest of the table and the GM. But you absolutely can be too clever as a player for almost all of the same reasons that we mentioned above. Yeah, um, I think here's another one. Even because here's a gaming story at a time that I, as a player, was I don't know if it was too clever. I think it was probably too clever. Um, I uh, was having a social issue with another player in my very first D&D game that I ever played um, about how he was treating my character. And so I took in-game action about that. Mm, we've talked about this before too, right? Don't, don't do that. <laughs> but I took in-game action as a kender and did the logical thing, which was um, I was very annoyed for him at him for um, at some point during our dungeon crawl, I had gone into a room first because I'm a kender and curious and had explored everything um, and asked the GM what was there. The GM had told me what was there and then his character proceeded to take all of the stuff. Um, And I was like, excuse me, I was the one in this room um, and I was the one who rolled everything for all the danger and everything and you just took all of the magic items. Um, That's a conversation I should have had outside the game, but instead I decided to be clever. Um, and I just uh, proceeded to steal the thing from him that I had really wanted to pick up, that he had just picked up, um, which, of course, I did by passing a note to the GM, right? <clears throat> it was all, right? Deception, deception, deception. Right. <laughs> so I passed a note to the GM. He passed me back a note. I did a roll. He passed me a note, you know? And then, like, two weeks later, in the middle of a very intense combat, 
dude reaches for this magic item and it's not there. And the game survived that. <laughs> um, uh, but it wasn't super great and I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> These are things we learn as baby players. I mean, like everybody does it once, and then it's like, okay, well, don't do that. Yes. Um, <laughs> you no. Know? I mean, these like these things happen, right? Again, you won't know, right? You won't know you that you've it. been too clever until it's done and all hell breaks loose. Um, yeah, and here's the thing: in a game that doesn't involve a like player from player secrets, here's a tip for you as a player: if you find yourself with the urge or need to do this or doing it. If you are passing the GM a note, why? Why is it something that you're not willing to say at the table? <laughs> what are you trying to accomplish? I mean, right? 100%, right? Like so yeah. much of my um so much of my amber games were like right? so wrong on this level, right? Like Right, that's so that much is right there is the why did he need to be talking to you without the other people being present to know what was going on and the answer is because he was being way too close. I, I will say that in my first Amber game, it was definitely a problem. In my second Amber game, it was less of a problem because the entire table was in on passing notes. Um, now, the, the one that I've told the story about before, that was actually my third Amber game, and that one had some problems because I had all new players. My first two Amber games, which I played in the summers of um, between college and between years of college, were with the same home group. They had some expectations. Exactly. I'm like, that's where we get back to. If the expectation is that you're all actively attempting to deceive each other, that's a completely different game because the expectation was set. Yeah. Um, This was not. Yeah. This was not that. This was. (laughs) This was not that. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway. 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 All right. So wrapping this up, right? Too clever right is is a thing it happens when you're trying to like shock people or do something that's never been done before any of those things um it almost always results in a case where people um were so not expecting what was happening um that they're upset right like we've gone too far and the problem is you won't know you've gone too far until you've gone too far um so uh what we've given you here today is a little bit of way to um to interrogate your thought process as you're coming up with a game, right? We gave you some warning signs and some questions to ask yourself. And using those, you can hopefully head off yourself from being too clever. Because honestly, like we said, most plots will be perfectly fine if you restructure them uh, in a way, like if you restructure them not to be too clever, they'll actually probably work just as fine. Mm-hmm. When you are or just communicate with your players, yeah, so that you're all on the same it's page. That, and that it's that not, trick. You're not betraying that anything. shock, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. That's where we start to get too clever. Um, and again, if you take anything away from this episode, besides that, remember: if you open the doppelganger door, close it. Close the top. Close the doppelganger door. <laughs> close the doppelganger door. Close it. Otherwise, again, <laughs> your players will be taking blood samples on every creature in close. water deep. So close, close the door, lock it, burn the key. 100%. <laughs> Excellent. Senda, in order for us to close out the show, we need to uh, talk about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network because that is a um, actual requirement. Otherwise, um, I think we get in trouble with you. So um, tell us about yeah, like, 
I'm the one who made that rule. Yes. So talk about <laughs> another show on the Mr. Mark Network. This one is um, of particular interest to me. Yeah, yeah. So today I'm going to tell you about Misdirected Mark, um, on which Phil, Bob, Jerry, and Chris go live every Tuesday. That's not, this is really out of date. Um, Phil, Bob, Jerry, and Chris release a new podcast episode every Tuesday uh, to break down and get inside gaming, game mastering, playing games, and game design in an effort to entertain and inform you. Uh And and some YouTube content along the way. There is some YouTube content now, too, which is pretty cool. Like, there's a sort of a, some format changing happening there. They are not live on Twitch right now, which is why I stopped myself. So do not look for them live on Tuesday nights at the moment. Um, but I'm going to tell you. do check out YouTube. We do sound better. Do you? Yeah, because we've been like we've been doing retakes you, and editing and yeah, stuff like like. But did you get like all mics now? Because oh like, well, I mean we're in this we're in this one that we're in the same room. That, we're all on good mics. We yeah, are we are actually um, as we're doing parts like when we're doing the part of the show that's going to get exported to um, YouTube, we actually will stop and redo a take. So we'll just mm-hmm. like stop, redo that line, and then cut it. So like. It, I, I think, and people have said this, like it's sounding better. Like we've upped, we've upped the sound quality, and because we're all in person and not on Zoom, and we're not dealing with lag or anything, um, the conversation part of the game also flows better. It does click along really nicely now. Yeah, yep, it's got it's it's definitely you know, um, hey, that show is. A, I mean, as it approaches its five hundredth episode, that show morphs as it needs to um, when it yeah. needs to. So, um, yeah. It is doing exactly what it's doing. Anyway, Senda, how do people find us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums, which is forums.misdirectedmark.com. You can uh, drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. Or you can find us on the Tiki Talkies if you feel like going on a treasure hunt for our individual um, usernames. But they're the same as our Twitter handles, so... You could probably find us. Good luck. If you want to. <laughs> Phil, what can they do with that information once they have it? We've mentioned it a few times during the course of the show, but send us a topic, an idea, a thought, whatever it is that you need us to talk about so that we can help you have more fun GMing. In a nutshell, our job here is to take the things that you either find difficult or unfun or whatever um, and to shed some insight show you how it works, find some tips for how to do it better, easier, whatever. And in doing so, we will um, help you have more fun at your game. If you have more fun at your game, you're going to run more games. You run more games, more people get to play games and play different types of games. And that is just how this hobby persists. So we're, we, we are counting on you. Let us help you. If you like what we do here at the Misdirected Mark um podcast no 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 (laughs) this is the misdirected mark network if you like what we do here at pandas talking games or elsewhere on the misdirected mark network you can go to our patreon campaign go to patreon.com slash mmp patrons get the bamboo lounge from this show which i think is going to be pretty interesting when we get to it Mm -hmm. the after show from the misdirected mark uh, you get into our Slack room for life, uh, which is great. hundred and some odd fabulous people talking about role-playing games, recipes, and life in general, um, which includes our um, our Friday Zoom calls. Like, if you ever want to just come pop on and see what we look like at lunchtime on a Friday, um, we're there, man. Like, just 
like the invites in the, the invites in the Slack room, just come join us. Anyway, um, that's, oh, and there's like random stuff getting like chopped up and sent out from the misdirected Mark, um, like recording sessions. Like we're chopping up a bunch of like pieces and putting them out there, parody songs and like rants and things like that. So anyway, random, like random little, uh, media goodies are flowing through there. We thank you for all of your support. Your patronage of the network and the show allows us to do things like buy equipment, um, pay for our hosting and all of that stuff. So we appreciate that greatly. Uh, if you are supporting the Patreon campaign, thank you very much. If you're unable to support the Patreon campaign, we understand completely there is a thing you can do that helps this show. Uh, and we do. We still need this help. Like, we need this help all the time. And it's small, uses a little bit of your time, which we know is valuable, but we appreciate it. That can help make this show um, reach other people. Santa, tell me what that thing is. Well, you can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice, whatever you listen to us on. Um, every new review we get really does actually help the algorithms show us to people, which is pretty cool. Um, so we really appreciate them. And also just like tell a friend. Because, you know, you probably know people who are into the same kind of gaming that you are. If you find us helpful, uh, they probably will, too. So thank you very much both to everybody who's left a review and to folks who are recommending us to their friends or and or on Twitter. We see that stuff. We love it. Um, it's very kind of you. And we appreciate it a lot. 100%. Say, Senda, I have this idea for mm -hmm. an upcoming game. Mm -hmm. and I want you to let me know if you think this is too clever. Mm -hmm. So what I'm going to do is first I'm going to uh, first I'm going to lie to all my players. <laughs> this show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Show me what you got, hey, show me what you got, 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 show me what you got. Bloop. Clicky. I'm gonna roll my notes back up to page one. Did not uh oh me too. And I did not actually after all that do a mic check. Which this looks okay. I think I usually get loudish when I start talking about things, so that's probably good. <laughs> oh yeah, that's fine. Bloop. Are you, are you just, are you just looking? Are you just staring? Are you leaving me hanging here and trying no, to- No, I can hear you. People? What's up? <laughs> okay, well, are you, are, you, are you ready? Oh, yeah, sorry, hang on. Let me just check everything, level's good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bloop. Sorry, I messed up the opening.